who has only one goal in life to please God. His work and all his activities were directed to the attention of only one person, Jesus Christ, therefore one man audience. Greetings and many, many blessings. I trust that uh, we are all doing well in the Lord and looking forward to his uh, second coming. Today, I would like us to challenge ourselves, my dear brothers and sisters, from the word of God, uh, in the way we, concerning the way we live, concerning our relationships, concerning uh, our work and everything else that we do in this life, as believers in Jesus Christ, what does God expect of us? And so our topic is passion for God. We are going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 to 10. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up, swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for his very purpose, for this very purpose, and has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. From it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Many relationships begin with great excitement. I believe that we all know that and we have experienced it. But after some period of time, familiarity tends to set in and things gradually settle down to a state of business as usual. Some relationships do not survive. They die altogether. When some other relationships continue struggling on in a lifeless manner. Basically, much of our life and work is without passion. And yet there is a cure 
for passionless living. Now, the Christian life begins with an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way to salvation, for Christ himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. To have a relationship with Jesus Christ is to discover purpose and meaning in life. It is then and only then that we are able to have passion uh, in the way we live and do things. So let's try and define what passion is. Passion or passionate has several definitions, some negative. For example, passions do sometimes run high at political meetings and during the elections and, um, and, and, doing, and in some other, I mean in football competitions for instance. We also say, we also say, you know, positively that uh, he has a passion for football or football is his passion. So passion can be both positive and negative. Thus, passion is a strong emotion or interest in something or in somebody. Men are commanded in the Bible to love their wives as Christians love the church. And since Christ loved the church passionately, therefore husbands are called to love their wives passionately. Now, passion is a driving force in all human achievements. Example, in art, one has to have passion to be a, an artist. In music, in architecture, and just about all many other uh, activities of that kind. There's a, a building, an old building in India called the Taj Mahal, and it is said to be a very magnificent, a most magnificent building, uh, which is one of the seven wonders of the world. It was built some centuries back by an Indian uh, prince in honor of his most favorite wife after she had died. The building is made up, is made of marble, pure marble. Uh, and as I said, it is, it is really a wonder and one of the seven wonders of the world. Now this is an example of passion. Without passion, my dear friends, life can only be dull, boring, and productive. But there is human passion. That is human passion. The Taj Mahal defines or expresses human passion, but it's also biblical passion. There are two questions um, that arise. But let me say that uh, sadly, many Christians have been socialized to believe that Christians, Christian life 
is necessarily dull, uninteresting, and boring. They are wrong. So two questions arise. Number one, what does God demand of us Christians? Number two, how do I get a passion for Jesus? Now let's try and respond to these questions. What God demands is A, is that we be alive, not just surviving. God demands that we be alive, not just survive. He expects us and demands that we live passionately. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, or that they might have it in abundance or more abundantly. John 10.10. 10. Now, two, uh, B, God seeks true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and truth, not just people who go through the motions of worshiping God. Now, to help us get a better understanding of what God expects of us, let us look at, um, at what Jesus had to say to some of the passionless churches as recorded in the book of Revelation. Now, to the church in, uh, to the church in Ephesus, he said, he said that you have forsaken your first love. You have forsaken your first love. To the, to the church at um, Paganam and the Theatra, he, he said, he, he, he charged them with compromising with the Satan, with the Jezebel and with Balaam. And then to the church in Sardis, he told them they pretend to be alive when they were actually dead. Then there was Laodicea, and he told them that you are neither cold nor warm, and therefore he was about to spit them out of their mouth, out of his mouth. Okay, the, 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 this, the Laodiceans also claimed to, to have acquired wealth, and yet they were poor. Now, friends, brothers and sisters, let us consider the state of the church today. If Jesus was to visit us the way he visited the churches in the book of Revelation, I wonder what would he say about us? What would he say about you and I? What would he say about our church, our church life? As we live in the world, as we interact with, you know, daily work and people of the world, how do they see us? How does God see us? So the question is, are we living as Jesus did and has taught us, or do we pretend to be alive while we are dead? The seven churches were called to repentance. Israel was constantly being called to repentance. The church is being called to repentance. God's promise, God's promises depends 
on repentance. Therefore, we need to repent of three things in particular. Number one, we need to repent of our failure to believe in God's love and security. So, and because we don't believe, so we seek security elsewhere. We seek love and security elsewhere, other than from God. Then we need to repent of our failure to believe that in God we have self-worth. So we seek to impress God with our performance. Failure, the other one is the failure to believe that God has a purpose for all of us, great and small. Um, so we lack confidence and passion. Now in the book of 1 Corinthians, we, I mean, uh, uh, the church life is, is expressed in the form of a human body. And the lesson is that every part, even the least, even the most visible, even the one that is not, is, 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 has to be covered up and hidden, they are all useful. No part of the body is without use. None is useless. It's the same thing in the body of Christ. And so, knowing that, then we need to love God passionately. First, the Bible tells us that God is love and that he loves with an everlasting love. That is to say that God is a passionate lover. Biblical passion has to do with the state or the temperature of our relationship with God. Accordingly, when Jesus was asked what was the greatest of all commandments, he said it was to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength and all our mind. This means that God is unique and there is no one like him, that we are to love him with our whole being. This makes sense, don't you think? That is, if you and I have only one love, one passion, your love or our love, if, if our love is undivided, then it is complete and it is full and it is most fulfilling. Now, Paul was a man with passion. Paul was a man with passion, as we see from the book of 2 Corinthians. I mean, whatever, I mean, from, 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 from this, from the text, I mean, basically the, basically the, 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 the book of 2 Corinthians, of, of, uh, Corinthians, but in, the, in, in, in what we have read this morning as well. Uh, now, apart from Jesus, uh, this is what I believe, Paul is the one biblical character whose love for God and fellow believers can be said to be passionate. And it is no different. It is not difficult, I beg your pardon, it is not difficult to discover Paul's secret. Paul concentrated all his passion to one person, to a one passion audience. Paul directed all his passion, all his love, to a one 
person audience. Let us check this out. And what, is, what, what do I mean by one person audience? Now, Apostle Paul says that the secret of his powerful ministry was that he addressed himself to Christ alone. That's what I mean by one person audience, not crowds. Now, we, I mean, he says, we make it our goal to please him. We make it our goal to please him, verse 9, that means Christ. Paul has only one goal in life, to please God. His work and all his activities were directed to the attention of only one person, Jesus Christ. Therefore, one man audience. Consider how much we desire to please people, even at the expense of displeasing God. People please us are some of the most miserable people on earth. Even so, much of our activities are undertaken to please ourselves or to please other people. How sad. We love to be admired and to be praised and to be thanked. Jesus lived and died to please the Father and Paul lived and died to please Jesus, what do you live for, my friend? What do I live for? Or who do I live for? Now, Paul is a perfect example of passion, Christian passion. Towards the end of his life, Paul wrote to Timothy as follows. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, also to all those who have longed for his appearing. So, having said that, how do we apply that to our lives? How do I get passion for Christ? That is my question. That, I hope that is your question as well. Now the Bible tells us that God does not only love us, but that God is love. He talks about Israel, that is God talks about Israel in a romantic language, in romantic language, and assures the nation of his everlasting love. What God says to Israel, or said to Israel long ago, he says to us today, believe us in his son, Jesus Christ. I have loved you with an everlasting love, or I love you with an everlasting love. Now, therefore, it is often said, and I believe this is true, that the Bible is a love letter written by God. The Bible is the only book or letter that God ever wrote. It is a, letter, a, a love letter addressed to you and I. And so, read the Bible as you would read a love letter. Now, I don't have 
I mean, we don't have to be instructed in how to read a love letter. But what I know is that we read every, every, every line, every word, every comma, every punctuation, so that you don't miss anything. Um, all right? So let us read the Bible as one would read a love letter. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, we have an example of some Christians who read the Bible with a passion. These were the Bereans. When Paul and Silas preached to them and they became believers, they make it their duty. I mean, the Bible became a passion and they read it passionately every day and especially checking out whether what was being preached by Paul was correct as written in the Bible. My friends, this is the only way to grow and become mature in our relationship with God. It is the only way we can become passionate. God love us. Love God passionately, therefore, we have no excuse. God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is not spare any effort to demonstrate his great love for us. In the same manner, the Bible exhorts us to love the God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Therefore, to love God passionately is not to do God a favor. It is demanded of us, and God expects nothing less. In the book of Revelation, Jesus rebukes the Laodicean church, which was neither hot nor cold, and warned that he was about to spit it out of his mouth. Let us take this as a warning to us as well, my dear friends. So, I, want, I mean, I, I, I believe I have said here before that what we need is a revival. There have been revivals in the past in, in, in church history. Let us pray that there will be a revival to revive our sagging faith, our sagging strength, that we may live like people who are truly alive in Christ. Now, the state of affairs so, uh, in which we live, therefore, uh, is not right, is not pleasing to God, it is not even pleasing to ourselves, and it does not um, impact the world as well. It doesn't impress the world. And so our work of evangelism and winning souls to Christ is negatively impacted by our, by our lack of passion. So I suggest that the church today is in an is in urgent need of a revival and a revival so that we may have passion as God expects of us and may God bless us as we pray that each one of us have the kind of passion that was Jesus Christ and at the very least the passion that was with Paul the apostle and may God bless you Amen.